The reading today is from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 2, and then verses 19 to 31. Early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. It was still dark. Mary saw that the large stone had been moved away from the tomb. So Mary ran to Simon Peter and the other follower, the one that Jesus loved. Mary said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Now I will read 19 to 31. It was the first day of the week. That evening, the followers were together. The doors were locked because they were afraid of the Jews. Then Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The followers were very happy when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said again, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I now send you. After he said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone for their sins, they are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they are not forgiven. Thomas, called Didymus, was not with the followers when Jesus came. Thomas was one of the twelve. The other followers told Thomas, we saw the Lord. But Thomas said, I will not believe it until I see the nail marks in his hands. And I will not believe until I put my finger when the nails were and put my hand into his side. A week later, the followers were in the house again. Thomas was with them, the doors were locked, but Jesus came in and stood among them. He said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, look at my hands, put your hand here in my side, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you see me. Those who believe without seeing me will be truly happy. Jesus did many other miracles before his followers that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you can believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God. Then by believing, you can have life through his name. Well, good morning to you all. I want to thank you for inviting me into your home. I'd like to thank Steve for leading our service. I'd like to thank Maisie for that wonderful reading, to Paolo for recording this message, and to Rob and Becky for their technical input. A few days ago, I came across a survey. The question being asked was, who is the person from history you most want to meet? In number three position was the playwright and poet William Shakespeare. Number two was Princess Diana. And number one was Jesus Christ. Now, if you could meet any person from history and ask just one question, who would you choose to meet and what question would you ask? When asked this question, Professor C.M. Joad who was a philosophy professor at Oxford University, replied, I would meet Jesus Christ and ask him the most important question in the world. Did you or did you not rise 
from the dead. Professor Jode wasn't a Christian, but he wanted to meet Jesus Christ. We're continuing our series, which we've entitled Follow My Leader. It's a series about Christian discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus. Today on Easter Sunday, we are going to follow Jesus to an empty tomb. Today we reflect on what is the greatest day in history, I believe. A day that has had the greatest influence and made a world of difference to millions of people's lives. So we're going to see today what a difference Jesus makes. How his resurrection changed lives then and rejoice in the fact that Jesus is still changing people's lives today. Going to look at the record in John's Gospel. Going to look at how John records the death, the burial, the resurrection appearances of Jesus. Jesus' death. Jesus died. John 19, we read, The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Now, when Jesus was crucified, he died at about 3 p.m. on what we now call Good Friday, just a few hours before the Jewish Sabbath began. A holy day when no work could be done. Now there was no doubt that Jesus was dead. The Roman soldiers knew a body, a dead body, when they saw one. They'd crucified hundreds, if not thousands, of criminals. Jesus died. Jesus was buried. Joseph of Arimathea courageously asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. He's given permission and with the help of Nicodemus, who brought the burial spices, they took the body away. And we read in John 19, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen, in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Meanwhile, some of the religious authorities go to Pilate and ask for the tomb to be guarded. They were worried the disciples might steal the body, and spread a story that he'd risen from the dead. So Pilate accedes to their request. He sets a guard and has a Roman seal put on the stone that blocked the tomb entrance. Breaking that seal would result in execution. In John 20, we see the resurrection appearances. I want to focus on the difference that Jesus makes as he appears to the disciples without Thomas, and then a week later with Thomas present. 
What a difference Jesus makes. Before the cross, during 42 months with Jesus, the disciples had heard amazing and audacious claims fall from his lips. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the resurrection and the life. They'd witnessed amazing scenes, the sick receiving healness and being taken to a place of wholeness. Demoniacs delivered, thousands fed from a boy's picnic lunch. They'd seen the dead raised. They'd done miracles themselves. And Jesus had repeatedly told them that one day he would have to suffer and die, but he would come alive again. Some had said they'd be willing to die with him, but at the arrest of Jesus, we read, then all the disciples deserted him and fled. They'd pinned their hopes on him. They'd left employment to follow him. They'd shared their dreams and their lives with him. I wonder if we can even begin to imagine how Jesus' followers really felt. Words like downcast, devastated, disillusioned, only begin to express what these men were feeling. To say the bottom had fallen out of their world was an understatement. The dream ended a nightmare. Their leader had been executed just like a common criminal. Why did it all gone so wrong? He seemed to be the genuine article. Now they were hiding, only too very much aware that the same fate would await them. But let's move to the resurrection. We'll see how the disciples' dejection turns to joy. In the midst of all the confusion and fear, something remarkable, almost unbelievable happens. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Jesus appears in the midst. Their minds were telling them one thing. Their eyes were just receiving a totally different message. But the evidence is overwhelming. The marks of crucifixion are clear for all to see. What Mary had said to them was absolutely true. What a difference Jesus makes for the disciples. Maybe there was a time when you put your faith and placed your hopes in Jesus Christ. Maybe at some point along the way you, you felt lit down. Maybe you're going through a period of turmoil, a period of distress or disillusionment. Maybe you find yourself in the middle of a storm. 
and your faith is being tested. Jesus would say to you this morning, peace be with you. My peace I give you. We've seen what a difference Jesus makes to the disciples, but what a difference Jesus now makes for Thomas as he changes Thomas's doubt into faith. Verse 25 of John 20, we read, the other disciples told him, we'd seen the Lord. And he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe it. Isn't it interesting how the, the, the tables have been turned for the disciples? They're actually confronting disbelief from one of their own. Try and imagine their frustration in convincing the faithless Thomas. He remains unconvinced and says, the only way I believe is if I see him with my own eyes. Now, Thomas gets a very bad press. Down through history, he has become known as Doubting Thomas. But it's easy to forget that at one point he showed great courage. He was willing to go to Judea and die read in John eleven sixteen. then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. But we can't escape the fact that Thomas had doubts. Sometimes we hear people say, unless I see a miracle, I won't believe. Perhaps people have said that to you. Excuse the golf illustration, but I was having a round of golf with a friend of mine. He wasn't a Christian, and during the round, we talked about Christian faith and about Jesus. But he still had doubts. And he said, Paul, unless I see a miracle, I won't be able to believe. When we got to the 18th tee, I drove off first. I hit what I thought was a good shot until I saw it disappear into some trees on the right-hand side. And he almost laughed and said, you need a miracle. Anyway, he teed off and we both walked up the fairway. I walked towards the woods where I thought my ball was, but lo and behold, it was right slap bang in the middle of the fairway. I said, well, there's one miracle for you. Any problem with people saying, I want to see a miracle before I believe, is if they see a miracle, they want another miracle and another miracle. I wonder if that's your view. If only I saw a miracle, I would believe. Some people think they've become a Christian. If God stepped in and did something really amazing, well, God has. He did that at the tomb and at the cross. Seven days later, Thomas gets his proof. Jesus again comes among them. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. 
The evidence is standing before him. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. The moment of decision has come. Thomas is convinced not only that Jesus is alive, but that Jesus is divine. He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. Today could be the most important moment in your life. A day when you have a moment of confession, a moment of belief, a moment of decision that can change your life. It can change the direction of your life in this world and your destination in the next. Jesus says, stop doubting and believe. Then Jesus told him, blessed, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If you're watching this message this morning or listening to it, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are indeed truly blessed. You haven't seen him in the flesh, but you're blessed because you have believed the word of God. But is the resurrection fact or is it fantasy? not only a good question I believe it's the only question resurrection is the cornerstone of the Christian message if Christ wasn't raised to life the Christian faith collapses just like a pack of cards Archbishop Michael Ramsey summed it up in four words no resurrection no Christianity and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. Conspiracy theories abound, whether it's the assassination of President Kennedy, the death of Princess Diana, or astronauts living on the moon. There are also several conspiracy theories surrounding the resurrection of Jesus. It's theory number one. The disciples stole the body and they spread about a rumour, isn't it fantastic? Our leader is alive. History tells us that most of the disciples actually were executed, were martyred for their belief in the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Would they die for a lie? Would you die for I? Then we have those who say, well, his enemies stole the body. Well, if that was true, all they had to do was to reveal it and say, here is your leader. Here's your Jesus Christ, dead, not alive. Then we come to the third theory become known as the swoon theory 
Basically, Jesus just lost consciousness on the cross and in the core of the tomb, he revived. Came across a letter to an advice column. He read this. Dear Sir, our preacher said on Easter that Jesus just swooned on the cross and that the disciples nursed him back to health. What do you think? Yours, sincerely, bewildered. Came the response. Dear bewildered, I suggest you punch your preacher in the face until it's unrecognisable. Beat him with a cat of nine tails with 39 heavy strokes, nail him to a cross, hang him in the sun for six hours, run a spear through his heart, embalm him, put him in an airless tomb for 36 hours, then just see what happens. Yours sincerely. But what's the relevance of the resurrection? Even if the resurrection did happen, what difference, what relevance does this event have that happened over 20 centuries ago? What relevance does it have for you and I today? The resurrection of Jesus guarantees us life after death. John 3.36 we read, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. Because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, he is our guarantee that there is life after death to anyone who puts their trust in him. Jesus has beaten that last great enemy of death and he's willing to share that victory with you and with me. His resurrection guarantees life after death. It also guarantees life before death. Not only does the resurrection of Jesus guarantee us hope for the future, it guarantees us hope for the present. Someone has said Christianity isn't just pie in the sky when we die. It enables us to live in the nitty gritty of life here on earth. Jesus said in John 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Through the cross, Jesus offers us forgiveness for the past. Through the resurrection, Jesus offers us the opportunity to begin a, a brand new life. How can we experience this new life? Well, Paul says in Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One of the reasons people give for not committing their life to Christ is I could never keep it up. I'd fall flat to my face. Jesus knows we can't live the Christian life in our own strength. We were never meant to. That's why help is at hand. Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 11, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who lives in you. When we become a Christian, when we become a true follower of Jesus Christ, we're raised to live a new life. Isn't it amazing that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available to you and available to me? A resurrection power that enables us and equips us to go against the flow, to stand up for Jesus, to speak for Jesus, to live the Jesus life, to love those who perhaps are unlovable, to be more to be more patient with those we find difficult, to be self-controlled, to be more forgiving. You see, because of the resurrection, everything changes. Death, well, it used to be the end. Now it's the beginning. The cemetery changes. People used to go there and say goodbye. Now we can go and say, we'll be together again. We'll meet again. My final question, what difference does Easter Day make to you? I want to suggest that there are four groups of people watching today, depending on what you believe about the resurrection. I wonder which of these statements describe your belief. Jesus Christ is dead and never came back to life. Can I just ask you whether you have taken time to explore the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Or are you just relying on what others have said to you? Secondly, there are those who think Jesus Christ may be alive or dead. They're, they're not sure. They may swing this way or that way. He may be alive one day, he's dead the next. Then there are those who truly believe Jesus Christ is alive. But it no, makes no real impact upon their lives. Then there are those in category four who, like me, would say Jesus Christ is alive. And by his spirit, he lives in me. Perhaps to those who would be in category one and two or Maybe three, Jesus would say, stop doubting and believe. If there's one thing that people need today as we face the unprecedented, unprecedented challenge of coronavirus, it's encapsulated in a four-letter word, hope. Our world needs hope. Our country needs hope. Our communities need hope. Our families need hope, a massive dose of hope. Peter writes, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gives us a living hope. Christians have a living hope because they put their trust in a living Christ. If God can bring his son back from the pit of death himself, and he can bring us through whatever we face in the world, many of our human hopes are dashed off or, or, or killed. 
But if our lives are linked with Jesus Christ, we can have this living hope which no one or no thing can destroy. A hope that can grow and develop. This is the triumph of the Christian message that not only did Jesus die, not only was he buried, but as millions of Christians across the world will testify today, he's my Lord, he's my saviour, he's alive. Soren Kierkegaard said the best news the world has ever heard came from a graveyard. Christ is risen. May God bless each and every one of you on this Easter weekend. May you know his love. May you know his comfort. May you know his peace. May you know that Jesus Christ is truly alive. Amen.